Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Under God and together we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, good evening, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Praying for America. So great always to have you with us. We always welcome Patriots from coast to coast, we welcome our international audience and we thank you for your participation in the effort to save America. We have a quickly closing window of time to do so. The Democrat Party hates the First Amendment and the First Amendment is one of our best ways to save America, one of our best ways to pray for America actually as well. And we're going to talk tonight about some of the Democrat attacks on the First Amendment, drawing from the book. The Democrat Party Hates America, and uh, Mark Levin's uh, new book just out. I hope you have your copy. I hope you're reading through it. Uh, Let's look at a scripture that's pertinent to this and then put ourselves in the Lord's presence to pray. Then we'll talk about what what we've got uh, facing us here with these Democrat attacks. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 13, reads as follows. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the freedom we have in this country to speak. It's part of our freedom. It's part of our right to liberty. It's part of our right to pursue happiness. It's part of our right to decide who governs us. This ability to speak It's part of our right to live and proclaim our faith. It's part of our right to educate our children and to serve our fellow citizens. It is an aspect of our very human dignity. And Lord, we see in your word here that it is also an aspect of our faith. It is an outgrowth of our faith. I believed, therefore I spoke. Lord God, our faith in you, our faith in the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, calls us to speak. We recall the prophet Jeremiah saying that your word was burning like fire within his bones and then he had to speak it out. And that the apostles saying, even when they were arrested for preaching your gospel, that we cannot help speaking of what we have seen and heard. And the Lord Jesus himself saying that if his followers did not speak out, the very stones would speak. Lord, we are a people of speaking because we are a people of the word. We are a people of speaking, Lord God, because you spoke to us. Lord, we know that the basis of our 
Freedom of speech is, is right there in the Bill of Rights and the First Amendment. But we also know that it is there precisely because it is rooted in our human nature, as part of our human dignity, and it is rooted in your word. So enable us to speak with all boldness as we must. And as so many examples in your word, whether it's Peter or Paul or any of the others, entrusted in New Testament times or entrusted throughout the ages as prophets have spoken boldly, so let us in modern day America do the same. Send us your spirit, deepen our faith. We believe, O Lord, and therefore we speak through Christ our Lord. Amen. Best way to defend your First Amendment rights? Exercise them without fear. That's the best way we defend our rights, brothers and sisters. We exercise them without fear. And we exercise them as people of faith, as we were just reading and many other biblical examples, some of which I just briefly referred to. And I bring this up because in the chapter of Mark Levin's book, The Democrat Party Hates America, be sure you have a copy, the, 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 the uh, chapter that deals with the Constitution, and that's what we've been looking at in these days on this program, quotes, first of all, I want to show you this rather disturbing quote here from uh, the, uh, the late uh, Justice uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, many, many disgraceful things she said and did. But here she says uh, on, a, on a TV interview in 2012, I would not look to the U.S. Constitution if I were drafting a constitution in the year 2012. Well, thanks be to God that nobody's entrusting you with the drafting of a constitution. I would not look to the United States Constitution. Really? Give me a break. I mean, this is, so, this is such offensive nonsense, the Supreme Court justice, to say something like that. That's why so, so many of her decisions were so despicable. Of course you look to the U.S. Constitution. Not only is it the greatest constitution in the world, there's a reason why we're the only country still operating under its original constitution. But my goodness, you swore an oath to uphold and defend it. As soon as she came to this conclusion that she spouted here in 2012, you should have run off the bench literally run. If there's a single judge, if there's a single legislator, I'm not just talking about on the federal level, on the state level too, they all swear an oath to uphold the one constitution of these United States. If there's a single one of them that wouldn't look to the constitution for the best constitutional principles, what, what, are, you, what are you doing remaining in office? What are you doing remaining in office? Be interesting to, to know, wouldn't it? Be interesting if there were some kind of survey of, of every public official currently serving, all of whom have taken an oath to defend the Constitution, to see the last time they read it, or to see how many of them have a pocket version of it. Well, when, just, when was the last time they read it? They took an oath to uphold it in all of their public service, so why wouldn't you want to read it once in a while? Good, simple barometer. Okay, so Mark says in their hatred for this Constitution, 
The Democrats are attacking four different things, and he puts a, a significant portion of the book onto each of these things, and I'm going to go through them too on this program. Tonight we'll just deal with the first one. But they are the First Amendment, the Supreme Court, the Electoral College, and the debt ceiling. These are four things that the Constitution deals with that we see orchestrated, outright, planned attacks on by the Democrat Party, which hates America and therefore hates the Constitution and therefore hates the First Amendment. So, again, four areas that they attack that we're going to explore. First one tonight. First Amendment, Supreme Court, Electoral College, and the debt ceiling. All right. The First Amendment. Again, you know, you look at these things and you got to say, all right, the Democrat Party is making these different kinds of attacks. We'll give an example or, or two or three. But it's like, what gives them the permission psychologically to, to do that? We've also got to look at, at ourselves and say, you know, like I said already here, the, the, the best way to defend our First Amendment rights is to exercise them without fear. We've got to make sure that anybody who decides to attack the First Amendment is greeted very immediately and very forcefully by a public, by an electorate, by a citizenry that is exercising that amendment vigorously. If we're not exercising our First Amendment rights, then we're just inviting the other side to attack us and to take it away. Why would not they not be emboldened to take away from us rights that we're not even exercising in the first place? Okay, so, but of course, many people are indeed exercising those rights with vigorous freedom and finding that the Democrats just don't care. They want to attack it. So first example given here is uh, SJ Resolution 19 that the Democrats introduced back in 2014 where they were trying, this is something they love to do, they were trying to restrict political speech. They love to do this. Set a cap on the amount of money that could be raised and spent uh, for political speech. And were this resolution to pass, vast swaths, to quote the book here, of uh, core political speech, much of it wholly unrelated to elections, would be Restricted. This is Phil Kirpin speaking, president of the American of American Commitment. Vast swaths of core political speech would be restricted. Now we know that our founders and the Supreme Court has upheld this numerous times saw the freedom of political speech as key to our success as a constitutional republic, key to our resistance to tyranny. Because if you're resisting tyranny, and again, this is the broad framework to understand these discussions, then you're resisting the idea that one state would control, one, that one party would be a state party, that it would control uh, all means of communication, that it would therefore stifle opposition and, dis and silence dissent, uh, and that it would control thought and language. We've explored that already on this program. Well, that translates into this, of course, as we look at uh, the, the safety of uh, the uh, First Amendment. And the, the, the attacks, and this is not the only example that the Democrats would put on 
on uh, political speech affects nonprofit organizations too, like the ministry that I run, like ministries that I'm sure many of you operate, uh, that are trying to get the word out about God's kingdom, in our case, get the word out about the sanctity of life. And uh, that has to do with the uh, outcome of elections. We want to elect pro-life candidates. Our special election website is prolifevote.com. And uh, we have experienced directly this effort that so many other groups have experienced to uh, intimidate those who want to speak politically in the nonprofit sector as well as everywhere else. But I, I, we actually went, this was in the back in the time of uh, Lois Lerner, and this was, this was back a couple of decades where we were being very outspoken, as we are still, about um, pro-life in elections. And there came a point where, uh, and actually I'll tell you when it was exactly, it's after the victory in the 2004 elections, we got approached by the IRS and they said, we've got some questions as to whether you've crossed some lines here relating to uh, your um, tax exempt status and your, the prohibition. This is the, uh, the Johnson Amendment, which is, uh, uh, which is in the uh, tax code and, and says to not-for-profit groups that they may not intervene in political races. So this isn't even any kind of extra thing that the Democrats are putting forward. This is just how they like to use inherently ambiguous and likely unconstitutional provisions like the Johnson Amendment, again, to silence dissent against their policies and against their politics. So they said to us, we need to see everything that you've said. We literally had to pack up boxes of tapes, uh, and I remember the old VHS uh, cassettes and some DVDs, and uh, send all these talks and, and sermons that I had given and, and homilies and whatnot uh, to, the, uh, to the IRS. Well, they went through all that stuff. This again, going back to like 20 years. They went through all that stuff, and then they came back and they told us what we already knew. You didn't violate anything, but they gave us a warning. You've got to be careful about A, B, and C, and don't, don't, don't be so overtly uh, political. We were proud to be able to go through that because we figured, you know, if we weren't pushing the envelope, if we weren't saying the things that needed to be said and that, and that uh, upset the other side because we were swaying people away from their in our case, uh, uh, addressing unrestricted abortion policies, well, then we weren't doing our job. And indeed, uh, we, uh, we, we underwent that battle. And uh, it's amazing, though, how, how many groups have directly pushed back against this Johnson Amendment. And this was something President, Cam uh, President Trump actually campaigned on, and he followed through when he was elected on saying, we are not going to enforce this Johnson Amendment because we don't want clergy to feel stifled. We don't want them to feel like freedom of speech stops at the doors of the cathedral or the synagogue or, the, or, uh, or any other uh, place where clergy are speaking. They, we, America needs their voice, President Trump said. And America does need the voice of the clergy. Um, now, the DHS put in place for a little while the Disinformation Governance Board, a panel designed to police misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. As I've explained to you, misinformation is, is uh, false information that gets spread 
unintentionally. Disinformation, it spread intentionally with a, with a, a, a desire to do harm. And malinformation, true stuff that is spread with a desire to do harm. And, uh, but this didn't work out for the Biden administration. Met with a lot of opposition. It was widely ridiculed. It was immediately scaled back and then shut down. But it shows the mindset of the Democrats. That's the point. It's not the role of government to sort out true from false information. That's not the role of the government. You let the American people speak and, and, and through honest and vigorous debate, public and private, you come to sort out truth from error. But the Biden administration continued trying to be, you know, the guardian of information in what Judge Terry Doty called the most massive attack against free speech in U.S. history. This was his recent decision in the matter of uh, Biden administration's communication with social media platforms to stifle free speech, to tell the platforms, don't post this, don't post that, this is false content, do something about that account, shut it down, let it have less reach, suppress these messages. And this had to do with things like the Hunter Biden laptop story and people's views about the uh, COVID-19, etc. And uh, this judge did a fantastic job um, in a decision issued on July the 4th. And let me just read a little bit of it. He said, um, plaintiffs allege that defendants through public pressure campaigns, private meetings, and other forms of direct communication regarding what defendants described as disinformation, misinformation, and malinformation have concluded with and are coerced social media platforms to suppress disfavored speakers' viewpoints and content on social media platforms. Plaintiffs also allege that the suppression constitutes government action and that it's a violation of plaintiffs' free speech. Because remember, this is crucial to understanding the First Amendment. It's a protection against government action, against your, not against private action, against government action suppressing your freedom to speak. Why was this government action? Because it was the Biden administration and the agencies of his administration putting the pressure on the social media companies. Social media companies were kind of caught in the middle of this, this government suppression. The judge went on to say the principal function of free speech under the United States system of government is to invite dispute. It may indeed best serve its high purpose when it induces a condition of unrest, creates dissatisfaction with conditions as they are, or even stirs people to anger. Now, in the pro-life arena where I spend my full-time work, and have done so for 30 years, I can tell you that so, so many instances where the meaning of the First Amendment comes into high relief and immediate experience for us. I remember one of many instances where I was with a group of peaceful, prayerful citizens exposing to the public what abortion is. Now, by the way, that's one of the most important avenues that we have uh, in our movement for persuading the American people that abortion is a bad thing, just go to lookatabortion.org 
and you'll see what I mean. You gotta, you know, people think they have an opinion about abortion, but I always say America will not reject abortion until America sees abortion. So we were engaged in a First Amendment uh, display of what abortion is on public property. It was on a boardwalk, actually, uh, on the East Coast, and we were this group of, of, of citizens walking up and down showing these pictures of abortion. And so what did uh, some of the local uh, people do? Well, they called the police on us. So the police officer arrives, comes to me, and um, says, uh, so, um, you know, some of the local businesses um, and residents are uh, getting quite upset and angry over uh, these pictures that you guys are showing. So my response to him was, um, yeah, I uh, thank you, officer. I, I, I knew that that was going to happen. I could have told you that myself. Is there anything I can help you with? Notice the, 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 the dynamic going on here. An enforcer of the law is coming up to me to tell me that the free speech message that I'm giving is making some people upset. What's the proper response of any American to that? Hey, hi, officer, what can I do for you today? That's the proper response. Because there's no issue that he raised. Oh, people are getting upset, people are getting angry. Yeah, and the sun sets in the West, too. What else do you want to know? If nobody were getting upset or angry or objecting to the message that we were conveying, why would it need the protection of the First Amendment? The whole idea, and Judge, Judge Doty is saying the same thing here, the whole idea of a constitutional amendment, the first one, protecting your speech, is that some people are going to get upset by it and try to shut you down. Why? Because they disagree with it. Why is that bad? Well, it's not bad. It's not bad that you disagree with them and they disagree with you. The whole thing is, the whole idea is that in America we air those disagreements so that through public debate certain issues can be resolved, issues which people, different people have different opinions about. What's the problem that somebody's getting angry and upset? The implication, and unfortunately this is how many citizens respond, and this is why I said at the outset the best way to defend your First Amendment rights is to exercise them without fear. And you're going to exercise them without fear, not only by taking the position of faith that we outlined from the scripture passage we read, but also by having an informed understanding of what that First Amendment is. Then unless we do that, we're going to have what the reaction of many Americans is, is, is to the implied message here, which was this. You see an officer of the law standing in front of you saying, hey, people are getting upset about your message. The implication being, because they're getting upset, keep quiet. Says who? Says who? I can tell you if people have a pro-abortion demonstration, I'm the one that's going to be getting upset. Does that mean I call the police on them so that they shut up? Or does that mean I then have my own demonstration to show people why they're wrong and I'm right on the issue? How does America work? You don't call law enforcement to shut down speech. Again, you don't call on law enforcement to shut down speech. 
And yet, whether it's with that SJ uh, Resolution 19 or whether it's with um, uh, wrong interpretations or unjust applications of the Johnson Amendment or any number of other tricks that they have up their corrupt sleeves, this is what the Democrat Party likes to do. Now, an officer talking to me at a little peaceful uh, demonstration about abortion is only a little microcosm of what they're doing now on a very large scale with the weaponization of government. And I want to bring to your attention again the uh, film Police State. Today, in fact, Friday the 27th, is the online premiere. Go to policestatefilm.net. It's the online premiere of a movie that Dinesh D'Souza, together with Dan Bongino, put together. Features my friend Mark Houck, the pro-life uh, peaceful demonstrator who, uh, whose home got raided by the FBI one, one peaceful morning with his children standing there and armed uh, agents at the door. I mean, this, absolute, this stuff is not American. And that's the point. It's not American. You've got freedom of speech. You don't use law enforcement to stifle speech because some people disagree with it and are getting upset. The fact that some people disagree with it and are getting upset is precisely why the First Amendment exists. So this judge told the Biden administration, hey, uh, cut it out. You got to stop communicating with the social media platforms, pressuring them in various ways to shut down speech with which you don't agree. You see how this turns out? Once you admit the principle a little bit, it, it grows and metastasizes. The Biden administration, the Democrat Party, doesn't agree with the speech of some Americans. So what? The fact that they exercise a, 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 a certain amount of political power doesn't give them the right to stifle dissent. But the fact that they're trying to do so is in and of itself an attack on the First Amendment. That, that's just the concept that we have to grasp here and help our fellow citizens to grasp. Judge, Judge Doty's decision was then appealed to the Fifth Circuit, and the Fifth Circuit basically upheld his ruling against the Biden administration in September. This is just this past September. The court found that some of the communications between the federal government and social media companies, quote, coerced or significantly encouraged social media platforms to moderate content. What in the world is the role of the government in that, to moderate content? You don't do that. The government is supposed, the state is supposed to be neutral when it comes to speech. It's not supposed to be spewing state propaganda. It's supposed to be defending the rights of citizens to have vigorous debate. Open, robust, free. I believed, therefore I spoke. American people are going to believe. They're going to believe in the sanctity of life. They're going to believe in the necessity of, 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 a, of, a, of a secure border. They're going to believe in a lot of things. And they're going to back the political candidates of their choice. And they're going to have to speak. And they've got to speak freely. This was appealed also to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court just accepted the other day this case. Missouri v. Biden is the name of it. So during this current 2023, 2024, uh, during this 23-24 term, they are going to... Uh, Examine this more closely. I'm very confident they're going to 
They're going to uphold the kind of freedom of speech that uh, Judge Doty and uh, also this, the Fifth Circuit uh, saw as being threatened by this. The Supreme Court has been, been good on freedom of speech and religious freedom. Um, and uh, what they did do, however, at the same time was they lifted the injunction set by the lower courts. And so this allows the federal government to continue contacting these social media companies without restriction. Maybe, you know, and I don't think so, though. You would think that maybe the fact that this has now been accepted by the Supreme Court is going to put them on better behavior. But listen, they don't care. They don't care about anything. They don't care about the Supreme Court. That's going to be the other thing we're going to examine here. They're attacking the First Amendment. It's part of their attack on the Constitution. They attack the First Amendment. They attack the Supreme Court. And we're going to look at two other things, the Electoral College and the, uh, the, debt, the debt ceiling. Uh, Thomas and Gorsuch, you might uh, not be surprised, as well as Alito, the three of them dissented from the lifting of the injunction. They said, hey, we got we to gotta look at this case. And meanwhile, keep the injunction in place that the Biden administration, which has shown itself to be uh, disrespectful of the First Amendment, uh, should not be allowed to be communicating with these social media companies. And uh, Alito wrote the following words. Government censorship of private speech is antithetical to our democratic form of government, and therefore today's decision is highly disturbing, the decision to lift those injunctions. Well, the Supreme Court is still going to consider the case. Let's keep an eye on that. Missouri versus Biden. Keep an eye on it. We'll be commenting on it, of course, as things develop. This is part of saving America. This is part of praying for America, praying for the protection of our freedom of speech. And once again, my theme the best way to, to defend your First Amendment rights is to exercise them without fear. Now, I want to pray. We'll pray for America. And, you know, we've got a big thing going on in terms of the, the pro-life uh, front of these battles in Ohio. We've got to stop this issue one, as it's called. It would amend the Ohio Constitution in such a way that the people of Ohio, even though they've made it clear through their laws that they want to protect the unborn in a very significant way, it would prevent them from doing so. In other words, it would impose unlimited abortion as a constitutional right. Now, the Supreme Court just said there is no constitutional right to abortion in our federal constitution, and there never has been in any of our state constitutions. And now the other side bloodthirsty as they are, want to put it in the state constitutions. They're trying this in Ohio right now. They're looking at eight or nine states to try it for the 2024 election cycle. This has got to be stopped. This is child killing. Remember, they're talking about late-term, unlimited abortion. So I want to say a prayer here now for victory in Ohio in this election where the voting is already going on now. You know anybody in Ohio, tell them to vote no on issue one. Vote no on issue one. Uh, and let's incorporate all these things we've been saying as we turn again to the Lord. Father, we believe, therefore we speak. We ask you to bring our, all of our fellow citizens to a clear, proper understanding of the First Amendment. We ask you to take out of office, out, vote out of power, every Democrat, because this administration is just, and this party, is just dead set against the First Amendment. Dead set against our free speech, our political speech, our pro-life speech, our faith-inspired speech. They are against it, Lord. They want to silence us, shut us down, 
confine us, imprison us. But Lord, we're in good company because your apostles were imprisoned. Because they believed, they spoke, and they angered the authorities of their time. And that anger was expressed in imprisonment, in whipping, in stern warnings. And yet they said, we cannot help speaking of what we have seen and heard. Lord, we believe. Enable us always to speak without fear and protect us, Lord, from punishment for speaking. Protect us, Lord, also from this onslaught of unlimited abortion in our land. We pray now this special prayer for victory in Ohio against the very destructive amendment called Issue 1. Lord of life, Father of all, we thank you for the great victories that you have brought us as we work to protect the unborn and their moms, dads, and families from the violence of abortion. Lord, as your people now have more opportunity to shape abortion policy in each state, we see many states restoring protection to our unborn brothers and sisters. We also see abortion forces attempting to expand abortion and even declare it a right under their state's constitution. Lord, we pray today for victory in Ohio as we work to protect its constitution from those who want to impose a policy of unlimited abortion. We pray for victory in this election currently underway, that Ohio voters will reject the effort of the left to destroy more children and their families, to suppress parental rights, and to take away from the people and their lawmakers the right to protect the unborn from the violence of abortion. We pray, Lord, that pro-life people from across the nation will join hands with the citizens of Ohio to stop this expansion of abortion, which if it happens would surely spread to other states. Lord, bring victory to the no vote on issue one. May your people speak up for what is right, take action for what is just, and make the sacrifices necessary to preserve the sanctity of life and family. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. And now let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, it's so good to be with you. Thanks for your patriotism, your prayers, your faith, your freedom of speech. Thanks for all that you do. Connect with me on social media, if you aren't already, on all the platforms at FR Frank Pavone, starting with Truth Social at FR Frank Pavone. Uh, God bless uh, you. God bless President Trump. God bless our nation. And uh, let's move together, praying for America, saving America. We will talk to you soon. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life, which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. 
Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.